0: The words of the Most High is perfect. This book is not. Why? Because this book has gone through several translations over the course of thousands of years. We have found mistakes in the book, but they are, I believe, translation mistakes, not contradictions People want to say the Bible contradicts itself, it doesn't contradict itself. There are human errors. And so this book, though it contains the perfect word of the Most High, every word in this book is not the Most High's words. And so I don't care how many times people tell you this is the infallible Word of God. His words are infallible. Man's words, which are also recorded in this book, are not. And then we have the translators, the interpretators. (laughs) And we have to make sure that what we are focusing on is what his words say. And so when he changed, Israel or Jacob's name to Israel, no matter how many times the translators write Jacob regardless, we know that he spoke and then we're going to see that he reaffirmed. He didn't just speak to Jacob once and say, your name will no longer be Jacob, but he spoke to him twice indicating that your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Israel approaches the end of his days; his sight phase, and he becomes ill. Joseph gathers his sons and visits his father. It is during this bedside visit thousands of years ago that Israel establishes one of the most profound prophetic and that is still being carried out in the lives of Israelites to this day. Join us as Israel recounts the blessing spoken to him by Jehovah, and begins to pronounce blessings over the children of Israel. Today's study title is, The Blessings of Israel. So, let's study. Um, email we sent out, I talked about how as Israel is approaching the end of his days, we see that his sight fails and he becomes ill. So not only is he having problems seeing his ill upon hearing he is ill, Joseph gather his sons and visits his father where Israel establishes one of the most, as I stated, profound prophetic enactments, a thousand times or thousands of years ago that is still being carried out in the lives of Israelites to this day. And so in this portion of Genesis, Israel recounts his blessings spoken to him by Jehovah, and began to pronounce blessings over his sons who would become the tribes of Israel or the children of Israel. And so in verse one, it opens and it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob, or Israel, (laughs) and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee, and Israel strengtheneth himself, and sat upon his bed. Now, here's one of those verses where we see both Jacob and Israel in the same verse. And one has to wonder, how can these things be? How can you use Jacob and Israel in the same verse? And we see this in a few places as we go through Genesis. To me, it makes no sense. And so, you know, I'm not one who is deep state thinking or conspiracy Driven, But when I see things like this, knowing that the Almighty has already warned us of the the wares or the wiles of the devil and coming out of Grand Rapids. Now, Grand Rapids, Michigan, for those of you who may not know, is the number one city for religious publications. Baker books, Erdman books, Zondervan books, and other religious publications come right out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you go to some of these publishing companies, just like any other company, if you go to the back where they have dumpsters... (laughs) And if you dumpster dive, you would probably find thousands of Bibles in the dumpster. (laughs) Misprints, irregulars, covers not aligning. And instead of shipping these to some third world country who have a shortage, they go into the dump. What you may not know is that even though these names, Zondervans and Bakers, may be the name on your Bible, that the people who own them may not have the last name, Bakers or Zondervans, because they have been bought out by some individual who looked to make money on the printing of Bibles? <laughs> now, the Bible that you have in your hand may be a nice buy. Bi- have you ever bought a cheap Bible and the cover? Come off. <laughs> That's because it was pretty, it was made cheaply from a company who got from the low end all the way up to the high end <laughs> where they sent it through their, their binding machines and their printing machines and, and things of that nature. I'm saying this to say that although this book contains the word of the most high, it comes through the hands of men. Somebody has to set those dies. Somebody has to calibrate those machines. Somebody has to put those print plates in the right place and not in the wrong place. And then you have inspections and all that kind of stuff. And so there's, there's room for mistake, not to mention at one point you may had one translation today. We got hundreds. We got hundreds of translations of the Bible where individuals had decided to tweak. How do you tweak the word of God? (laughs) Right? You see Bibles with, you know, and I got several of them, which is why any serious Bible student and all Bible students should be serious. That if you're going to be serious about reading this book, because this book is the word of life, You can't depend on any one translation. You have to compare translations. You have to make sure that as you're reading one and looking at it, how does it read in this version? How does it read in that version? And so when I see Jacob and Israel in the same verse, I can't help but think, how did that happen? Is he now called Jacob and Israel? Is he called Jacob? Is he called Israel? And how does both names get in one verse? Now, again, that's just me. I operate like that because I'm always looking for the the way the enemy tries to deceive us. The enemy is always at work. And you and I both know that he was around before Moses. And Moses is one of the earlier writers. He's the one who gave us the first five books of the Bible, and the enemy was around before Moses. He knows this book, and he knows knows how to trick people and trap people even in the choice of words that are being used in certain translations. So, I just want to point that out as we go through, not to try to cast any kind of shadow on the book, but to make sure that we're not of that mindset that this book is perfect because it's not his word is perfect. And we have to discern his word and distinguish it from all the other words. Now, when I was in the Baptist church, they talked about the red letter edition, you know, the King James red letter. And you really want to focus on the red letters. Why? Because those were the words of God. And it's like, well, whose words are are the ones in black? Even then, they made a distinction between the red letters and the black letters. There's a message there. (laughs) The red letters don't change until you change translations. And sometimes the words that are put there like how in the world did Easter get in the Bible? (laughs) And if they'd have figured out a way to get Christmas in there, you better believe it would have been up in there, but they couldn't figure out how to get Christmas in the Bible, but they got Easter in there. (laughs) And so Jehovah appears to him in Luz, and and Jacob is going to let us know, or Israel is going to let us know as he recounts uh, what takes place. And there, Jehovah blesses him. He speaks to him about being fruitful and multiplying. He talks about how he's going to make him a multitude of people, how he's going to give the land to his seed for an everlasting possession. And so in verse three, it says, and Israel said unto Joseph, God almighty appeared unto me at last. Now, when this happened, we don't know how old Joseph was, but he's recounting, Because as a child at the time, somewhere between, I would say four and, you know, 14, because when he was sold as a slave, he was about 17. And so he's a young person. And you know, as well as I do, that young people don't remember the things their parents remember. They remember the things they remember. And so he says to Joseph as a grown man that when you was a boy, Jehovah appeared unto me at Luz or Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee. And I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. Now here in Genesis 48, this is after Jehovah has changed Jacob's name to Israel. And in the previous verse, they use Jacob and Israel. In this verse, they refer back to Jacob. So I add the Israel, but he's speaking to him at about a time when his name was Jacob. And so Israel receives several blessings from Jehovah on different occasions. And I capture for this teaching four of them. One, On his way to Laban's house, when his brother Esau gets angry, makes the declaration that when Isaac dies, he's going to repay Jacob at the time, he accused Jacob of deceiving him. And because of Esau's accusation of Jacob's deception, theologians and commentaries have decided to identified Jacob's name as Surplanter or Deceiver. Now, when we look at the reality of what happened, Esau was hungry. Jacob had made some soup. Esau wanted soup. Jacob wanted the birthright. He said to Esau, if you give me the birthright, I will give you soup. Esau said, what good is this birthright to me anyway? Give me the soup. You can have the birthright. So where is the deception there? That was a negotiation. No deception. When his mama said, listen, you need to dress up like Esau. Jacob said, no. My daddy ain't stupid. He going to know I'm not Esau. And when he realized I'm not Esau, he going to curse me. His mama said, whatever curse he pronounces on you, let it be upon me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Where's the deception there? He's following the instruction of his mama. He doesn't deceive his father. In fact, He goes along with the instructions of his mom after he has told his mama, I don't want to do this. It ain't right. You get this. And so, because of these things, people have created this narrative about Jacob that he was this great deceiver. He didn't deceive Esau, he didn't deceive his daddy, he was following the instructions of his mama. He didn't deceive Laban. If anybody got deceived, he did. He was an honorable man. And you got to understand something. He was so honorable and misrepresented by people who write commentaries, theologians, church folks, and even, I would have to say, intentionally some Jewish theologians who came up with the idea long before Gentiles knew anything about the Hebrew scriptures had created this narrative for Jacob, but the almighty saw Jacob as an honorable man. So much so that he changed his name to Israel and he blessed him And all these people who want to say whatever they want to say have to admit that the name he gave Israel was not the land. It was a name to a man who the identity of all of his children took on. So, this is how we get the idea, the term Israelite. Israelites are the descendants of Israel. Israel, the land is the promised land to who Israel, the man, the 12 tribes of Israel are the seed of Israel, the man who used to be Jacob. So what father did, he said, listen, you know, these folks want to create all this narrative about you being a deceiver. We're going to change that. We're going to give you a new name. One who, who wrestles, one who struggles with me. But people want to hold on to the deceiver and want to hold on to the Jacob when father has changed his name and in changing his name really gave him a new identity. And so on his way to Laban's house, father appears to him and says, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. Now, he didn't put any boundaries on it, but he had told Abraham what? From the river Euphrates to the great river in Egypt. That's how far north, south, east, west. It's like we could get the west and the east part because there's Euphrates and then there's the river Nile. And then we discover that Goshen was between the Niles. Between the two rivers, because Nile the Nile River split and went in two directions, and when it came together, went all the way down into Africa, into Ethiopia and other parts of Africa, because Egypt is Africa. It's what? North Africa. And so he says, In thee, in who? In Israel. Not Jacob, but in Israel. And in thy seed, who Israel shall all the families of the earth be blessed and behold, I'm with thee and will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I've done that, which I have spoken to thee of. Jehovah changes his name. Genesis thirty two twenty seven, And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And what I went and did, and I thought I found all these places. I must not have saved them but I just added Israel to Jacob. And this is one of those places it should not have been added. Well, anyway, so he says, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince has our power with God and with men and has prevailed. Genesis 32, 27. Verse 29, and Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? Now, one of the things here is that Jacob is wrestling with a man. He's wrestling with a man. It doesn't say he's wrestling with an angel. It says he's wrestling with a man. And so he's talking to this man and he asks him, what is your name? And he says, Why? Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penuel. For I have seen God face to face and my my life is preserved. So he wrestles with the man that he identifies as the most high. Jehovah reaffirms his name, Israel. Verse 9, chapter 35. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padam Aram and blessed him and said unto him, your name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. That's the second time he spoke this. And Elohim said unto him, I am Elohim almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. And kings shall come out of thy loins. Now, when we get into the kings, 1st King and 2nd Kings, we identify that there's a division at a point to where the, the kingdoms are divided. The kingdom of Israel is divided into the northern tribes and the southern tribes. The southern tribe was called the house of Judah. What was the, the Northern tribe called the house of Israel? How did he get that name? We're going to find out in this passage. I believe how he got the name. And so, and the land, which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it. And did I seed it after thee? Will I give the land? And Elohim went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And then he speaks to him one more time before he goes to Egypt in chapter 46. And Elohim spake unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, now here's the thing that really gets me again. And God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night. Now, has God forgot what he called him? He said, your name is no more Jacob, but uh, Jacob, Jacob. See, again, I I can't help because I know my father is not schizophrenic. I know that if I can't take him at his word when he speaks, then we got some issues. So I have to conclude that this is a translation issue. Not that father is saying you are no longer and then turn around and call him that which he is no longer. And he said, here am I. And he said, I am Elohim the God of your father, fear not to go down into Egypt for I will there make of thee a great nation. So Israel was not a nation before he went into Egypt, but father made him a nation in Egypt. I will go down with thee into Egypt and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. In other words, you're going to die there. Israel adopts Ephraim, and Manasseh as his sons like Reuben and Simeon. And so he says to Joseph, and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, notice what he says, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came. So we identified that he has had these boys before Jacob, Israel goes into the land of Egypt. We don't know how old they are, But the fact that they were between Joseph's legs indicate to me that they're probably little ones. He says, they're mine now. So he takes Ephraim and Manasseh as Reuben and Simeon. They shall be mine. And understand something, when it comes down to seed, as I've mentioned, you don't find the term grandfather in the Bible. You don 't find grandsons in the Bible, and I take it to mean that father don 't have grandchildren. there is no seniority in the kingdom. Every last one of us have been given a measure of faith, every last one of us is given the same holy Spirit, every last one of us is given the same authority that he has given us, and we have to operate within the authority of that which is written. He has set and established parameters in his word. We don't have to argue. He has set parameters for husbands. He has set parameters for wives. He has set parameters for men. He has set parameters for women. He've set parameters for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, just as he has established leadership of elders and deacons. And as long as people operate in the maximum capacity of the parameters that he has placed them in, we will experience the maximum blessing he has for us as we operate in the instructions that he has set about. Now, one of the problems with the new Testament versus the old Testament and people who operate in the new Testament, they don't have no parameters. There are no lines. Everything is blurry. And people can make God say whatever they want, want Him to say in order to operate in their self-centered fearness. Now they got prophetesses that are and prophets. People who are operating in rebellion, claiming to be operating. In the instruction and the authority of the Most High. And you cannot ignore His Torah and claim that you're operating in authority. But it doesn't stop people from doing that. The moment individuals say, I'm not under the law, that makes them what? Lawless. If you're not under the law, you are lawless, and we know who you serve—the lawless one. I saw somebody who write, "Well, if there is no law, there is no lawless one. If there is no law, there ain't no devil." <laughs> Some people I like, there ain't no devil in the church, but the day will come when they will find themselves. Standing with the devil in the same line. as that old song, Splish Splash. You yeah, be taking a bath, but you ain't gonna like the water. <laughs> it's gonna be a little bit on the hot side. <laughs> That thou now your two sons, your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto you in the land of Egypt before I came unto you, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Israel informs us that Joseph's sons were born before the Israelites moved into Goshen. And in verse six, it says, and thy issue, which thou begattest after them shall be thine. In other words, whatever child you have after these two, they're yours. And then notice what he said and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. In other words, they'll be called after you and their brethren. But these two, we'll see here, and as for me, he gives them another timeline. When I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, when yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, And I buried her there in the way of Ephrat, the same as Bethlehem. Now, as we've been going through the book of Genesis, all of Israel's sons were born in Padam Aram, except one. Who was that? Benjamin. We also know that when, when Benjamin was born, Rachel died. Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. And so now we see, as we saw, that she died on the way up to Ephrath. And so Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin in the way of Ephrath. Benjamin grew in the house of Israel with Joseph before Joseph was saved, sold as a slave. So he had the interaction with his little brother because he was born. And now Israel, Jacob at the time has two boys by the only wife he wants. He spoils the older one and shelter the younger one because when it came down to them boys having to go back and Joseph said, no, you need to bring Benjamin is like, no, Benjamin <laughs> ain't going. It's, well, we ain't going. And what I did is I, I, I drew a little map here up to the upper right is um, you would be coming from Padam Aram. And before Jacob crossed over into the land of Canaan, that line that goes straight up to the middle. You'll see right under that first orange line is Sukkoth. That Sukkoth is on the other side of the Jordan. He comes into the land of Canaan. And there the first place he goes is Shechem. This is where Simeon convinces his brothers after their sister has gone into Shechem to have these individuals circumcised and then he killed them all. And then from there, Jacob moved to Bethel and Bethel is where father, you know, spoke to him. And when he left Bethel on his way to Ephrath, Benjamin was born. And at that birth, Rachel dies. And so the circle there, Mamre and Kiriath Arba, is where Isaac, somewhere in that land, Isaac dwelt. And that's where we find the last mentioning of where Jacob, whose name had been changed to Israel at the time, became his dwelling. Now, when Joseph is sent to look for his brothers, he's directed back up to Shechem. And he meets a man, or he meets a man, and the man says, Whether well, he's going up to Shechem. Now, when he goes up, he's sold as a slave, which means that when he was sold, he now, the caravan is going down or south, which means it travels through his homeland, going down to Egypt. When Israel leaves, he's somewhere within this circle because he stops on his way to Egypt at Beersheba, Beersheba, or Beersheba as it is pronounced. And it is at the bottom left-hand corner of that map prior to going into the land. And this is where father tells him, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to make you a nation there. And so he gave him some things to, to look forward to and that he would bring him back. And this is one of the reasons why we're going to find out that Israel insisted that he was not buried in the land of Egypt. Now, what's interesting is I'm not sure how well they knew as far as if they had Google. Well, I don't think they had Google at the time. So, You know, as far as geography is concerned and maps, I suspect that they followed the stars, the moon, the sun, and this is how they they navigated. That's very, very possible. That's what they did. But the land that father gave to Abram, Abram and Jacob, Israel, were the only two Isaac didn't go to Padam Haram. Abraham sent his servant to find Isaac a wife. So he never went to Padam Haram. Now, what's interesting is between the two patriarchs, it was Abraham and Israel who traveled to Padam Haram, the great river Euphrates, and all the way, into Egypt, into Goshen. And so Abraham and Israel feet tread from the Euphrates to the Nile. Now, I don't know. And based on what Jacob or Israel is saying at the end here, or he's going to say, if he had a map, Because he wants to go back to a particular land, possibly not knowing that the land he was in (laughs) was part of the promise. Because as we looked at the geography of where Goshen was, Goshen was in the parameters geographically of the promised land. We know to this day, Israel never claimed or captured all of the land of promise. And so there is promise that is still left. When people talk about wanting to go to the land of Israel, they are naive of the geography of the promise. Genesis 48:8, and Israel beheld Joseph's sons. And here again is Israel. Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons whom Elohim has given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. Now, remember, Israel is ill and his eyes are dim. He could probably see silhouettes. He could probably see shadows. He saw something, but he didn't know who. Now, the eyes of Israel were dim for age so that he could not see. So he's not able to see. And he brought them near unto him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo Elohim has shown me us also your seed, which is mine. (laughs) And Joseph brought them out from between his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. So Joseph bows before his father and Joseph took them both. Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand. So he's positioning them and he, he knows that Ephraim is going to be on the left hand. He's setting them up for a blessing according to the right of the firstborn. How many of you know that Israel was not the firstborn? Neither was his wife, Rachel. Leah was a firstborn daughter. Rachel was a second born. Esau was the firstborn son. Jacob, Israel was a second born. And now it seems as if this trend is continuing because he's about to bless the second born and elevate him to firstborn status. And he speaks. But notice this. Joseph sets it up to where Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head. So he has to cross his hand, guiding his hands wittingly. He knew what he was doing. Even though his eyes were dim, he knew what he was doing. For Manasseh was the firstborn. Joseph didn't know what he was doing, but Israel knew what he was doing. Israel acknowledges Jehovah, the God of Abraham, as his father and Isaac as his father. Israel blesses Joseph by blessing Ephraim and Manasseh. Now notice something here. And he blessed Joseph and said, Now he's got his hands on his sons, but he's blessing Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. Notice what he said, God before whom my fathers. So he acknowledges Abraham as his father and Isaac as his father did walk the God, which fed me all my lifelong until this day. Now this brothers and sisters to me is so powerful. Because when Jacob went into Padan Aram, all he had was the was clothes on his back. But when he came out, he had all these people, all these wives, all these sons, all these flocks. And what is he saying? God fed me all my life. He gave me the wisdom, He gave me the ability to negotiate, He gave me the skill to do the things that I did but had he not gave it to me and there are people who have skills and abilities and become great in their wealth but they don't acknowledge the almighty as their provider one who fears jehovah knows that they are his and everything they have is his That we are, as I stated last week, we are stewards. We are caretakers. I have a responsibility to take care of my wife. (laughs) I have a responsibility to take care of my children. I have a responsibility to take care of the property father puts in my possession. I understand that he gave me the wife and he gave me the children. And my responsibility is to teach them about him. If I don't teach them about him, I am derelict in my duties. I have a responsibility to wash my wife with the water of the word. I have a responsibility to instruct her as the father gives to me, whether she likes it or not. Whether she accepts it or not, whether she agrees with it or not, I have a responsibility and nothing she say and nothing she does or can do should cause me to neglect my responsibility because I won't have to give an account to her. I will have to give an account to him. The same with the children. Why? Because they're his. You don't think they're yours? Wait till they decide They don't want to live with you no more. And you hope they come to that conclusion. Now, I don't know if y'all heard me, because if they don't come to that conclusion, you ain't done your job. If they want to stay with you, you ain't done your job. Or they took your job serious, which means now it's like, you know, it's been nice knowing you. I've enjoyed these 18 years together. You know, by reason, if you honor me and continue to do what is required of you and you want to hire your education and, you know, I'll keep you around. But at some point, at some point, let me tell you the way father has designed this. The way father has designed this is that a man is born, a woman is born, they grow up, they get married. Anybody who don't want to get married either is a eunuch and is committing their lives to service of the king all their lives or they are rebellious. Well, I don't want to get married. Oh, so you're going to serve the king. Yeah, but I want to see the world and I don't want to be cumbered by no chariot. You see, something's wrong with that. That's not part of his design. Even Abraham said, listen, you didn't gave me all this stuff, but you haven't given me a son. He knew something was wrong. Women of the Bible, if they weren't able to produce children, they know something's wrong. And people who know them, who are married and can't produce children, believe something's wrong. Why? Because something's wrong. How did they come to that conclusion? Because of the design. Father designed it. A man is supposed to work. If you take care of a man and he don't work, you're in violation of the word. Food is a motivator. Right? If a man don't work, if you feed him and he don't want to work, you're violating the order. I didn't set the order. And this is one of the reasons why we've got a lot of problems today. You got individuals who don't respect the law because they don't respect the lawgiver. The moment you disrespect the lawgiver, the creator, you will disrespect the lawmakers and the law enforcers. I didn't set the order. But I've seen the consequences of those who violate it. And there are consequences. Even back in the day of Moses, I mean, think about this, brothers and sisters. In the day of Moses, while the children was in campments, they had a ward. When they caught the man gathering firewood on the Sabbath day, what did they do? They put him in the ward. They put him in the place people are put when they violate the commandments. <coughs> it's like, man, how y'all got to travel in prison in the, in the desert? Oh, we got a place for these hard-headed hardheaded scoundrels who don't want to obey the law. <coughs> we separate them from society, minimize their food intake, ration, discipline, Rehabilitate them and let them know there are consequences for violating the law. You break it, you pay. Hmm. I didn't write this stuff. I'm not making this up. Go read your Bible. And so he says it was God who fed me. Everything that I have, he provided. Israel places his name, Israel, on Ephraim and Manasseh, the house of Israel. The northern tribe, notice this, verse 16. Now, first, the angel, it's the first time angel is capitalized in the King James. The second time, we find that Father is telling Moses he's going to send his angel. But this is the first time. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And notice what he says, and let my name be. Be named on them. See, when I pronounce the blessing, what am I doing? I'm putting the name Jehovah on you. When Israel pronounces the blessings on Ephraim and Manasseh, what did he do? He put his name on them. My name Israel is placed on Ephraim and Manasseh. When the tribes split, this is how you got the house of Israel. It was the house of Israel before the split, but when it was split, Judah took on his own identity, and the 10 northern tribes took on the identity of Ephraim and Manasseh, Israel. Have you ever wondered how did they end up with the patriarchal name, the house of Judah? In the house of Israel, they ended up with the patriarchal name. And so now people want to take the house of Israel and bring it under Judah and make all of Israel Jews. No, father didn't bring Israel under Judah. He brought Judah back into Israel. They shall be called the house of Israel. They will not be called The land of Israel, listen, brothers and sisters, the land of Israel is not the homeland for the Jews only. It is a homeland for Jewish people, but not all Israel are Jews. And we have to understand that. Not the homeland for the Jews only. You shouldn't have to become a Jew to make Aliyah. That's a perversion of men. Man doesn't have the right to the land, but just as people have taken the right to lands around the world, the land of, of USA, the land of, you know, whatever nation you are part of. I was watching a video of a King who was speaking and I agree with some of what he said, but what he said here is that when I come into your, to your presence, you say, your majesty. You say, your majesty, you call me king. But this king acknowledges, he says, there's only one king. There's only one king. When a real king realizes where their authority comes from. See, you can say God in the constitution all you want, but the constitution is not a holy document. It's a legal document, but it's the laws of men over the nations of these United States. I am not the property of men. Blessed is the nation who fears the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose Lord is God, whose God is the Lord, whose God is Jehovah. And can I tell you something? At no point in American history has this nation feared God. At no point. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. At no point in the history of this nation has it ever kept the commandments of God. Christians don't keep the commandments. They don't. They change the commandments. And God said, no, 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 no. When you change what I wrote, you bring people under you. My law is perfect. It don't need your help. You don't change a day. I said the seventh day is a day you are to remember and keep holy. Who has the authority to change it? Well, we just got our own Sabbath. Yeah, you got your own master too. And you may call him Jesus, but it is not Yeshua. People, people, it's like, and then brothers and sisters, you know, you can hate me. You can say what you want to say, you see, but my brothers and my sisters are those who fear my father, those who obey my father those who fear him and keep his commandments. Anybody who say, I don't have to keep the commandments. Anybody who say I'm not under the law. They're not my brothers. They're not my sisters. It's just not. You can hate me all you want to. This is what happens when people bring people truth. They don't like, they find an issue with it. You can find an issue all you want, but it's still true. And so what does Israel do? He says, let my name be named on them. Ephraim and Manasseh will be called Israel. Why? That's his name. So when they split, they took on the name. The house of Israel. Was not the house of Judah part of the house of Israel at one point? In verse 16, the angel is capitalized, the first time the King James version of the Bible where the word angel is capitalized, indicating this wasn't just any angel. And so Jehovah is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Yet people talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob like he didn't change his name. We come to you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and father said, hey, you mean Israel? Well, we, we, like, we like Jacob, but I changed his name. Yeah, but we still like Jacob, but I changed his name. I know you changed his name, but we still like Jacob. I changed his name. Well, my Reverend called him Jacob, (laughs) but I changed his name. (laughs) Part of the blessing Israel placed on Ephraim and Manasseh is that he elevated Ephraim over his brother, his older brother Manasseh. He placed his name Israel on Ephraim and Manasseh, which is most likely the reason when the tribe split into two kingdoms, one was called the house of Israel and the other, the house of Judah. And remember now Ephraim and Manasseh, Ephraim and Manasseh was given the land we know today as Samaria. Remember the Samaritan woman at the well? My father, Israel gave us this land. The King James says, Jacob. But it was Israel who gave that land. In other words, he dug the well and it's still here today. And so they, along with other tribes, became known as the northern kingdom, a.k.a. House of Israel, indicating that the Samaritans were part of Israel. Now, I know people demonize the Samaritans. Well, they were they were a half tribe. It's like, really, (laughs) who taught you that in Sunday school? Because I know you gave the woman an identity, but the woman knew her identity and she wasn't subject to your Sunday school lessons. (laughs) Abraham, Isaac, and Israel are called the fathers, patriarchs of the children of Israel. Verse 17. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. It's like, how's it going to displease you? You ain't the one blessing them. But it's like it displeased him because he he believed there was some kind of violation of protocol. Remember when his brothers came and the Bible says, and they looked around, said he placed them in the order of their birth. Joseph was very specific about protocol. And so now it's like he intentionally said, I know my father can't see, so I'm going to set this up. So all he got to do is lift up his hands and place them on the head of the boys. It's like, now you go going to cross your hands on me. What's wrong with you, old man? <laughs> I mean, just put yourself, it, the Bible says it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand and says, no, remove it. <clears throat> Joseph got physical. He held up his father's hand To remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head and said unto his father, Not so, daddy, for this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. (laughs) And his father refused. Now, Now just get this, get this, folks. There's some contention going on here. Joseph is not happy with what he's seeing. And his daddy ain't complying. And he said, listen, son, I know what I'm doing. Sometimes you got to remind your children, listen, I know what I'm doing. They don't think you know what you're doing. (laughs) And sometimes they'll rise up on you. He also shall become a people. He also shall be great. But let me tell you something I see that you can't see. His younger brother shall be greater than he is. Wait a minute. How are you going to see that in you blind? <laughs> he shall be greater and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. See, you got to know this is the work of the spirit. Although Israel's physical sight dimmed, indicating he was either going blind or going blind, he was not operating by sight. He was speaking prophetically, which all came to pass, indicating. What he was doing was given to him by Jehovah by his spirit. Israel blesses his new sons with a blessing. And he blessed them that day saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he said Ephraim before Manasseh. Now this is the blessing that is being said over individuals today. To this day, the Israelite mothers and fathers pronounce this blessing over their sons. God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And then Israel lets Joseph know he is to return to the land. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. Verse 22 in the final. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above your brothers, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. And so what do we see here he says i'm giving you one portion above that's two portions what's that that's the double portion why now remember reuben was the firstborn we're going to find out that reuben violated his father so his status was removed now leah had reuben simeon levi judah and all three of them was removed out of the picture for some actions that they did and joseph uh, Israel spoke some things prophetically as we're going to see going further, but Joseph was the firstborn from Rachel. And so he took when Reuben violated, he took on the firstborn status as a result, he gave him a portion above. So there's a portion above a portion makes two portions, which is the double portion. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey on twitter at apostle bailey and you can subscribe to our youtube page at apostle arthur bailey one if you're in the charlotte area please come and fellowship with us we'll do our best to make you feel right at home our address is on our website at the about link under contact us again thank you for joining us and until next time shalom saints